What's up, guys? Whoa! Whoa! I can do whatever I want with this thing. Isn't this pretty cool? We got a new microphone, guys. It's pretty awesome. I can do whatever I want. And I can also look like a coach. So this is pretty cool. Um, and I can walk wherever I want. I'll just come up here. I'm just kidding. Enough of that. Um, I do want to do something really cool. Uh, I had a friend. His name's Gabriel Flores. He's awesome. He is uh, Heather's brother-in-law. Um, sometimes when we were at Sam Houston, we would go into the computer lab, which is basically just a room full of computers. You guys don't have them here, seemingly. Um, and we'd, we'd rent out the headsets, and uh, we would listen to each other's, and we'd plug them into each other's computer. And then we would cup the microphone and make like helicopter noises and explosions like this. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool, right? <laughs> we thought so at least. Anyways, haven't done that in a while. So thank you, Jordan, uh, for sharing that with us. It was awesome. Uh, I'm going to vote tomorrow because, uh, yeah, it's like Jordan said, it's important. We need, to be, we need to take responsibility for our nation, the future of it. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's go do that. Um, it's been a past, uh, crazy past few months, right? This uh, kind of this whole year, a lot of shootings, a lot of bombings. Um, Harambe died, rest in peace, right? This presidential race. Sorry to bring up a sore subject. Some of you guys, Jacob Eberhard knew him personally. He's from Cincinnati. He claims, "Don't worry, this is not going to be a political sermon or a sermon on politics, uh, but we're going to talk about world peace a little bit." Um, what does world peace look like? Well, basically, if, uh, if everyone in the world had the same idea of peace and happiness, then we could all fight for that and there'd be world peace, right? Make sense? Well, too bad there's <laughs> a lot of people who have different ideas of peace, different ideas of happiness, um, and so that really isn't the situation. There will um, very likely not be world peace ever, right? Because everyone's always going to have different ideas of peace and happiness. But um, that's okay because there is a way that we can um, learn how to get world peace. And we're going to look at that, how that is affected in our daily lives. Okay. So everyone has a different idea of peace, different idea of happiness. Everyone fights for and defends certain things, right? Everyone ultimately fights for his or her own happiness, right? Well, if you're a humanist, you might say, well, no, I, f I fight for the happiness of other people. Well, doesn't that make you happy? It's still your own happiness, right? So on the personal level, what does it look like? On the, well, on the national level, you have, you know, when two countries think uh, fight for peace and that peace is different from the other countries, it's going to lead. It's going to lead to war, right? We've seen that in history, um, time and time again. International con conflicts, even within nations, um, different people. You know, protests, riots, war, all this stuff. It's just it's terrible because his happiness is different from her happiness and their happiness, and we're all fighting because of it. So in our lives today, um, figuring out what it looks like for everyone to be happy is a pretty hard thing to do, right? Um, because we don't all have the same idea of happiness, uh, a lot of times that leads to broken relationships, right? Um, even within your own 
circle of friends, people say something, uh, people s- somebody says something about you that's hurtful or offensive, right? And although they may not have intended to do that in the first place, our happiness is still affected because what was for them happiness in that moment was to say something hurtful about you, right? Or maybe even like on a more drastic level, you might say, uh, people getting divorced. Mom's happiness and dad's happiness didn't mean the same thing. And because it didn't, that led to them wanting what they thought would make them happy, which was to separate, right? Some of us in here have, m- have been affected by that. And their happiness has affected our happiness. And we're broken, we're hurt, right? We're angry. Um, these things are real issues. And um, tonight we're going to look at, um, well, my hope is that we will be able to see uh, what real peace looks like, how to fight for it, and then the happiness that results from that. So, our beatitude for tonight is Matthew 5, 9. Should be up there. There it is. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Read that again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So in other words, peacemakers are happy because they will be sons of God, or they'll be called sons of God, right? Sounds pretty cool, right? Like Thor or Hercules, right? Something like that? No, just kidding. Do you guys even know who Thor and Hercules are? Oh, okay, no one, I thought you guys would have, it was a joke, no one laughed at it, it was a bad joke, okay, I'll, I'll own up to it. Uh, um, okay, so we're going to get to what it means to be a son of God in a little bit, but first let's think about what it means to be a peacemaker. Well, uh, thankfully for us, uh, two things are going to make it a little bit tougher for that, but we'll get there. Uh, peacemaker this is the only place that it's mentioned in the Bible, <laughs> um, so it's a little tough figuring out what it actually meant. Uh, and the second thing is, like those who hunger for hunger and thirst for righteousness, and blessed are those who mourn. This beatitude has an uh, action associated with it, and not a characteristic, right? Because the beatitudes are qualities of a person, right? And so, blessed is the peacemaker. We have to figure out what essential quality is required in order for you to be a peacemaker. So we're going to do that in a second. But to get our brain fluids moving, we're going to have, uh, I did some research, and I found some pe- peacemakers. So they're going to be up there. That guy. Wait, hold on. That's a pizza maker. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I didn't even notice the difference. Dang. Well, he looks pretty happy at least. Dang. Wow. That got that's gotta be Totino. Cause he that pizza looks like Totino's pizza. <laughs> so I am guessing, man, blessed are the pizza makers, for they will be called for delivery. Man, that guy is having too much fun making that pizza. Anyways, I'm glad I realized that now so I wouldn't preach the whole night on pizza. That'd be terrible. Uh, all right, so maybe not that guy. What about the next lady? Savvy Shields. Miss America 2017, right? How do you win a beauty pageant in 2017 when you're in 2016? I don't know, but she did it because she's that awesome. Um, I'm sure she wants world peace, right? Her and every other beauty pageant girl uh, like uh, Gracie Lou Freebush, right? Anybody know who that is? Yeah. For Miss Congeniality? This thing is kind of weird. Uh 
Yeah, my sister watched Miss Congeniality a lot growing up, and I watched it every time I got a chance. That movie's great. That and Mean Girls, those, those are where it's at. Glad I got a clap. Uh, anyways, okay, uh, yeah, her motto was actually, eat better, live better. If you're eating happy, <laughs> you're going to be happy, right? So that's, that's her uh, method of achieving world peace. What about the next one? <laughs> so that's Chris Pratt on Velociraptor. <laughs> Have you guys seen, uh, uh, what's it called, Jurassic World? Great movie. Um, he that's in like the extended edition, so you gotta you gotta go watch that one. But uh, Chris Pratt is riding a Velociraptor, carrying an American flag, shooting an Uzi and a tuxedo with a rocket launcher on his back and a jet in the background. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's that's American right there. If he's running for president, I'm voting for Chris Pratt riding a Velociraptor. His motto is probably like, "Vote for me." And I'll make all your all these dreams come true. Man, American right there. All right, so maybe none of us thought of any of these people when we thought about peacemakers. So to get a more a better understanding of what Jesus meant to be peacemakers, let's see what he meant when he said um, when he said that in his time. So Matt. Uh, you can go ahead and come down. Matt Thornsbury is going to read for us, please. Matt? Yeah, I told him. Uh, he's going to read for us. The verses are going to be Matthew 26, 57 through 54. 47 through 54. That would be weird. 40 s- Matthew 26, 47 through 54. Can I talk through this too? Oh, yeah. You got yeah, you to talk right here. Uh, and then Mark 15, 37 through 39. Uh, Sean? Either one. Yep, you got to buy one here. Oops. This thing's still on. Sorry, guys. Christopher's in the back. That's right. Um, While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had had arranged a single with him. A signal with him. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions rushed out for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Fifteen. Centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how, the, how he died. He said, Surely this man was the Son of God. 
Go get it for Matt. You can, you can, you can take it. Thanks, Matt. Good job. Hey, that's a good job. Hey, make sure it doesn't fall. Anyways, uh, so Matt, uh, thank you. Matt, uh, he's awesome. He's actually a poli-sci major here at WVU, so kind of cool he's reading tonight. Uh, he's got the opportunity to meet some really cool people, some really influential people over the past couple years. And uh, I think the Lord's going to use him to do some really awesome stuff on the state or national level. Thornsbury, thir 2032, you got my vote. Sweet. So let's pray, and then we'll continue talking about this stuff. Father God, thank you, Lord, for uh, tonight, Lord, and everything that you have to speak to us tonight, Jesus. Lord, we're grateful that uh, you reveal the um, elements of your kingdom to us, Jesus, so that we can learn how to walk with you and be like you, Jesus. Lord, would you speak to me? Would you open our hearts? Would you help us see what you want us to see about being peacemakers? We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So that's a pretty crazy story, right? That first one, Peter is actually the guy who pulled out a sword. It says, in a, like Mark or Matthew, one of the other two. Um, but so, so basically what happens is, um, you know, this is during the last week of Jesus' life, and he knows he's going to die on the cross, and Judas, one of his 12 disciples, had gone to the religious officials and said, hey, I know where Jesus is. I know where he'll be. I'm going to hand him over to you guys. So you can do basically whatever you need to do with him. So at this moment in this story, this is what's happening. These guys come, you know, armed with clubs and swords. And then Peter is there with Jesus and like a couple of his other disciples. And so when Peter sees one of this other guys, you know, go up to Jesus about to, you know, just, you know, grab him or like put handcuffs on him or whatever. He's like, oh, no, you didn't. And then he pulls out his sword and cuts off some dude's ear, right? <laughs> that escalated really quickly, right? It'd be like, you know, Jordan and Jeff are roommates. You know, their landlord comes over and says, hey, Jeff, you missed rent. And then Jordan pulls out a sword and then cuts his ear off, right? <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy, right? Well, it might have been a little bit more tense than that. You know, I'm sure Peter knew that uh, these guys weren't, you know, up to any good. So he was probably a little bit, you know, on his tiptoes, right? So... We can see that Peter uh, probably thought that Jesus um, came to bring peace in a little bit different manner than uh, Jesus was actually coming to bring it in, right? Uh, Peter was a Jew, and the Jews thought that when the Messiah came, he would basically free them from their slavery, which at that time was from the Romans. The Romans killed their people. They stole their money. Um, they, you know raped their women, they did a whole ton of things that would make all of them just incredibly angry, um, like the people that Mi Jordan mentioned earlier, Stalin, Mussolini, Hitler, um, these guys, they were not good people. So when Jesus came, Peter, all the other Jews thought that this was what Jesus was going to do. He was going to you know, kill all the Romans and free them, and then the Jews would be, you know, have world peace and then it'd be at, at the expense of the Romans, right? All of them dying, but who cares because they're Romans and we're the Jews, right? That was their mentality. Obviously, that's not what Jesus had in mind. And so the type of peace that Jesus was talking about is from this word, Irene. And it's up there. Sweet. The word for peace in the New Testament is this Greek word, Irene, which simply put is just peace between individuals, 
basically harmony, right? Or concord, same thing. There's a little bit more in-depth uh, definition for it, but we're just going to stick with that one because uh, tonight it's, it's exactly what we're talking about. So for the Jews, uh, peace meant, you know, destruction of the Romans, complete obliteration of them. Uh, sometimes our ideas of peace uh, in our own, you know, just situations, whether it's friends and family, may not be complete destruction um, of these people completely. But at least, you know, we want revenge. We want to fight back. We want to take our stand and defend our rights, defend our happiness. We want to fight for what ultimately will make us peaceful and sometimes at the expense of other people, especially if they've hurt us or if, you know, they've just done something that uh, we don't think that we deserve, right? But Jesus says otherwise. So, uh, actually, can you go back, put that one back up there, please? Okay, sweet. So this is the kind of peace that Jesus wants us to fight for. Seems pretty simple, right? So why does it take Jesus intervening in our life to fight for this? That seems pretty simple. Well, as you can see, like I mentioned earlier, all throughout history, even in our own lives personally, happiness is tough to come by sometimes because everyone's idea of happiness or peace is different. And what mine is might conflict with what Sarah's is, hopefully not, and what Sean's is and Adriana's and Blake's, right? We could all have different ideas of happiness. And achieving this might be very difficult because this isn't just like, oh, sometimes this is like, this is unity. This is, this is peace. This is not just some kind of like, you know, half-hearted peace. This is Jesus is talking about complete. And so why do we need his help? Well, this is where we get to the upside-down kingdom. So let's look at that uh, passage from Matthew again. And it's not the whole thing. It's just the, the, the last part. Cool. So with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal 12 legions of angels but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must must happen this way so peter's reaction obviously you know was like what was he trying to do was he trying to protect jesus well jesus was the son of god so like why would jesus need protection was he thinking oh i'm gonna pull out my sword because i'm i know that jesus is probably right behind me you know just putting his hands out and these guys are on the floor dead in half a second right that's this is my moment of glory with Jesus. So what was Peter trying to do? Like we saw earlier, he uh, his 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 mindset was just totally off. He had an incorrect perception of what Jesus meant by fighting for peace or what it meant to be a peacemaker. Right. So our definition for uh, peacemakers tonight is right here. To be a peacemaker is to reconcile. And to reconcile means to, s- to restore to friendship or harmony. Which, if you remember our definition for peace in the Greek, it's basically exactly the same. Peace between individuals or harmony, right? So this is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, a peacemaker, in other words, is to reconcile, is to restore to friendship or harmony. 
That's not what Peter had in mind with these guys. That's not what he was out to do. That's what Jesus was out to do. And we'll see how he did that a little bit later. But um, this is where it requires Jesus' help. Because in order to reconcile, in order to truly reconcile and create peace and harmony between individuals at any point in our lives, it requires that we value relationships over our rights. Reconciliation requires that we value our relationships over our rights. Rights. That is a strong word, especially in our society today. I have the right to walk across the street when I want to, or where I want to, or how I want to. I have the right, you know, to sit wherever I want. I have the right you know, to, to drive how I want. I have the right to get angry when I want to. I have the right to not say sorry or not hold the door open or I have the right to do whatever. I have the right to bear arms, right? Right? Um, I uh, looked up the first line in the Declaration of Independence the other day. Uh, and it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created equal and they were endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. The founding fathers believed that all of us have rights that God gave us that can't be taken from us. And if you think about it, most people in this room would say the same. And I would say the same. So if we have these rights, then if we're fighting for reconciliation between our friends, our family, the people around us, it requires that we give these rights up. That's tough to do. And that's why it's part of the Upside Down Kingdom. Because it's completely opposite from what anyone ever has told us to do. I want to keep saying right, but it's, I don't know what I'm talking about, it's kind of weird. Um, so to give us an example of this, right? So what does it look like to um, value your relationship over your right? Well, Katie Goody is my sister. Not sure if she's in this room right now, but if you, those of you who don't know that, we are related. She got married to Jordan about seven years ago. That's why her na- last name is different. That's what happens when people get married, right? Okay, so when we were really young, uh, we were, you know, we were pretty close. About middle school uh, is when this uh, stuff would happen. Basically, uh, she <laughs> would get upset about something and go in her room and close the door. And I'm left there wondering, wow, what did I do, <laughs> right? I, I had no clue so a lot of times what I did that made her so upset at me. So she would give me the silent treatment. She would stay in there, you know, and it would, it would just bug the crap out of me. Not like, oh, I'm so angry. Sometimes I was a little upset. But I was mainly upset because, because we were so close, I really valued our relationship, and it bugged me so much. It, it hurt more uh, that we weren't talking, right, uh, than it did, you know, to, to say I'm sorry, right, because I didn't think I needed to say I'm sorry for anything because I don't even know what I did, you know. And sometimes if I didn't know what I did, uh, then I would just basically say I'm sorry for that so that we could start talking. And even if, you know, I wasn't actually sorrowful, at least, she would think that I'm sorry and we can start hanging out again, right? Um, well, that basically is, uh, man, it was just, even though because it was like somewhat for a selfish reason, I still 
valued our relationship over my right to feel like I don't need to apologize, right? Or, you know, the, the right to, to not do anything about it because I wasn't in the wrong in the first place. She was in the wrong, whatever. Sometimes I probably did d- do things that legitimately was selfish. Um, but regardless, in those situations where I, you know, probably didn't do anything wrong, uh, that was what needed to happen because that relationship would not have, you know, been reconciled with that s- specific situation had had I not taken the first step, right? And it wasn't just always me, you know, like I'm sure uh, I n- she did this a, a lot, but I can't remember it because I don't remember myself, I guess, when I was a kid. But anyways, okay, so this this is just our example for that, right? Um, so what does this look like in our daily lives? The people that we see every single day, the people we have relationships with are roommates, Somebody didn't turn off the light when he left the house. Somebody has people over too often. Somebody leaves the dishes piled up in, you know, in, in the sink or anything like that, right? Problems don't fix themselves, guys. If you're frustrated with a roommate, then you need to talk about it. If, if you're the one uh, making your roommate upset, you need to apologize, and you need to, and you need to give up your right to leave dishes dirty in the sink and wash them, and then go so you can be reconciled to your roommate. Because hopefully you value your relationship with your roommate over your right to not have to do the dishes, right? That sounds pretty simple. Um, and I'm not getting on anybody here. I've done this multiple times. Demonic can attest to that. He's silent. But uh, but yeah, I mean, not even, even you know, when I was at Sam. It, it happened all the time, right? So, you know, other friends, people, when they hurt us, when they say things that offend us, when they betray us, right? Sometimes that's us doing the hurting and the offending and the betraying, and we need to apologize for that. Or if we are the one getting betrayed or hurt, then we need to forgive. And forgiveness is so tough to do sometimes, especially if it's like depending on how big the offense was, right? But we need to give up our right to be angry we need to give up our right, even if they don't apologize, we need to bring ourselves to a point where we can forgive that person so that our relationship with them can restore, can be restored. God, this is in every area of our life. Professors, advisors, Adriana told a story about that earlier. You can ask her about it. School, you know, just uh, classmates, family relationships, dating relationships, in the future when you're married, just Guys, it's, this is going to be something that we need to learn how to do now because it's everyone's, um, even the people that love you the most will offend you at some point. They will hurt you at some point. And if you do not, and if we do not learn how to die to our rights, then these relationships could very potentially end and, and we're not ultimately going to be happy because of it. And uh, it's crazy, uh, a couple weeks ago when, when uh, Charles was speaking on uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? He said that the righteousness that Jesus was talking about wasn't this partial righteousness that we can attain on our own. It's a complete righteousness that is only attainable as we seek Jesus and ask him for his righteousness. And this dying to our rights and being a, is a reconciler is the same way. Jesus isn't asking us to only be reconcilers when what our friend or our family member does doesn't hurt that much, right? 
or when we get something out of it, right? That's not, that's not what he's saying. This is a complete and total, I am dying to my rights here now and forever so that my relationships with my friends and my family and everyone else can be good. This is what Jesus is asking us to do. Some of us in this room, um, you may not be a Christian, and everything that I've said up to this point, you may not have put much weight behind, but dying to your rights is still beneficial to you because there's still people in your life that uh, will make you upset. You're still going to make people upset, and people's happiness will always differ from your own. So even if you don't care much about the relationship, just die to your rights so that what you get from the relationship you can at least have. I mean, that will make you happy. And I'm not advocating that this is the extent of your motive at all. In fact, I think it's pretty selfish. But it will still, in the end, you will benefit from dying to your rights. And hopefully, through it, you'll learn how to be more like Jesus. So, like I've said, this is only possible through Jesus. None of this is possible um, with what he means for our lives, with complete reconciliation except as we um, commit our lives to Jesus. So why is Jesus, like, able to ask this of us? It seems like a pretty high calling. It seems like a pretty, you know, just um, outrageous demand, um, a a standard to live up to, right? What gives him the right to ask us this, ask this of us? Well, the reason is, is because Jesus did that with us. Uh, And then up on the screen, there should be the verse that we read, the second one that Matt read um, from Mark. There it is. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely, this man was the son of God. And there's a ton of cool things in this passage, but we're going to look at just one for tonight because that's what has to do with what we're talking about. It's where it says the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Basically, at that time, uh, the, curtain in, uh, the curtain was in the temple, and only the people who were the priests had the ability to go into this part of the temple where this curtain was that separated everything else from where God's presence dwelt. And when Jesus died, that curtain literally like four feet thick of this heavy, heavy curtain was torn in two. That curtain tearing in two represents the divide between God and humanity. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he forever separated the divide between God and humanity. Because if you don't know, or just to remind you if you do, um, it's kind of tough to, uh, to, to remain on God's, well, not, not good side, but just to remain right with God, right? There's this thing called sin, which separates us from God, And if we've done any one thing that has hurt or broken God's heart because he can be offended, he can be hurt, he has things um, that do break his heart. And that's when we live selfishly and when we hold on to our rights 
that creates this barrier between us. And when Jesus died on that cross, he made it accessible for us to have a relationship with Jesus. And that's why he has the right, or he has the ability, he's able to ask us to do the same. He's asking us just what he did himself, right? And Jesus, being God and being perfect, being all loving and all good, and only looking out for our highest need, he's never done anything wrong against us. Unlike us, who have probably done at least one or two things bad or hurtful against the people that have hurt us, right? That's not true for Jesus. He took the first step, not having done anything wrong. We were in the wrong, and Jesus took the first step. Thank you, Jesus. He reconciled our relationship as men and women to to the Father by dying on the cross. So he can ask us to do the same with each other. Maybe not necessarily dying for the relationships that we have, but dying to our rights so that these relationships can be restored. What's also crazy, and this is true for us too, when Jesus died on that cross, there was no guarantee that the people he died for would accept him. There's no guarantee that the people that Jesus died for, the people that he gave his life for, the people that he chose to take the first step in restoration and reconciliation would take their step towards him and enabling that relationship to be restored. He did it because he knew that that is what was necessary in order for us to have a relationship with him. And that is why we need to do the same for our friends, our family, the people that have hurt us. We need to take that first step in reconciliation so that we can restore this relationship. So that we can be called sons of God or children of God. So this word called is kaleo, and it means to receive a name, to give a name, or to call someone by name, and it should be up there. Is it? Nope, it's not. Sorry, Damani. Damani's been a good good guy today. Uh, so kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, is uh, this Greek word for to receive a name, to give a name, or to call someone by name. And this is by Jesus, by God. It's not by other people. God is calling us his sons and daughters when we choose to reconcile our relationships with other people, when we choose to be reconciled to God. He calls us sons and daughters, his children. We are in the family of God when this happens. That, to me, is extremely exciting. This is why the peacemaker is happy. This is why the reconciler is blessed. This is why when we die to our rights for reconciliation, for restored relationships between our friends and our family, the people in our lives, this is why we're happy. I thought I had sung. To kind of sum up what um, is like included in being a child of God we're just going to go with this word to be an heir, right? H-E-I-R. We are heirs of God, and we are co-heirs with Jesus. And some of you guys may not have ever heard that before or think I'm crazy, but in Romans eight fifteen through 17, 
It's a couple up, Damani. I skipped a couple. It's uh, It says this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That's crazy. Heir of all things, co-heirs with Jesus. Everything that the father has given Jesus as his son, because he died on the cross and because he raised him from the dead, is given to us too as his children. That is so amazing. That makes me happy as his son. Within that, him as my father, knowing that he's good, he's loving, he's perfect, he's all-powerful, he's only going to choose for my highest good every single time. When I pray to him and I ask for things that I want, I know that he will only give me what is good for me. When I ask him for things that I need, I know that he will give them to me if I need them at that time, right? This is everything that is included in being an heir of God and being his child in the future for the rest of my life. I know that I can trust that God will only choose for my highest good and only give me what is good. And because he owns all things, everything that could ever make me happy, true lasting happiness is at my disposal. Because God the Father owns it all, and he's given it all to us. We need to ask him for it. This is the happiness of the Son of God. And if you've been in his family for long enough, then you've experienced this. He takes care of us. This is <laughs> it. I, I could go on and on about this. Um, God the Father, he is a loving Father. And this is why we are happy to be called sons of God. And when we are his children, we become like him. We become like Jesus. We represent love, a loving father. And then those relationships that we, you know, died to our rights to be restored, we become better able to not hurt people and to not offend people and to choose for other people's highest goods and uh, highest good. And through that process, we're made more happy as well. So, um, what happens when we receive his happiness as sons and daughters of God? We share it with people, right? I mean, that's anytime you're excited about anything, anytime you have, you know, this, this genuine excitement or happiness, you know, you get a good grade, you get a cool car, you know, you, um, you get to see a family member you hadn't seen in a while, something, you know, just great happens to you. You share it with people. It's, it's just natural. And being children of God, this is our privilege. This is what we get to do with the rest of the world. My friend C.S. Lewis says in his book, Reflections on the Psalms, he's talking about praise. And he says, a thing is not completely enjoyed until it is expressed, right? Until it is shared with somebody. somebody. F.W. Borm, he says, um, when talking about this, group that he calls the passionate few this uh this small number of ad the small group of admirers that it is it is just natural to want to share to talk about the things that you enjoy right as god's children this is our privilege and it is our responsibility 
as his children. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 20 says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. This is the heart behind Chi Alpha. This is why we're here. We talked about that a couple weeks ago as in terms of missions, right? We're going to have this opportunity to do that with the mission trips that we're taking as you guys go from here throughout the rest of your week. This is our privilege. It's our responsibility. Um, for those of you who don't belong to the family of God yet, I want to ask you guys to seriously consider um, thinking about anything that you might have done against the heart of God and bringing yourself to a point, allowing the Holy Spirit to show you what you've done against him and take that first step of reconciliation with the Father because being in his family is the best way that we can make sure or we can be able to reconcile the, the relationships around us. And if you are in the family of God, then my hope tonight is that um, and Bane, you can come down uh, at this moment. My hope tonight is that you would allow the Lord to speak to you about what he's asking you to do in terms of reconciling people to him, especially through these mission trips that we're taking this year. With that being said, we're going to have uh, just a, f a few moments to pray and respond to what the Holy Spirit spoken to to us tonight. Uh, there's three questions that I want us to think through, and they're going to be up on the screen. The first question is, where does reconciliation need to occur in my life? Where does reconciliation need to occur in my life? The second question, whose happiness is most important to me? And the third question, what rights am I unwilling to give up? Who do I need to apologize to or to forgive? Be reconciled to God, guys. We need to give up our rights and value our relationships over them. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for tonight, Jesus, and just what you've called us to, God, with uh, reconciling um, our broken relationships, Jesus. We we know that you care for us, God, and that you want our relationships. You value our relationships uh, with each other even more than we do, Jesus, and we're grateful that you do that, God. Uh, Jesus, would you, uh, would you show us the people that we need to apologize to or forgive, God, or, or, or treat better, Jesus? Lord, we want to we wanna honor you with our relationships, God. Um, Jesus, we need your help 
to fight for relationships to be stored. So would you help us, Jesus? Speak to us tonight, God. Amen.